Hello, and Happy New Year! Chris here, coming to tell you that this week we have a special episode that Annie recorded a couple months back with Jamie B. Golden from the Popcast. It's about an hour long, and it's a fun conversation about books and pop culture and a small business and everything that our show is really about. We will be back next week with regularly scheduled content, and I hope you enjoy this kind of special episode. you're supposed to meet all the people. Apparently <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. And for a while, I started talking to everybody, and they're like, we're just trying to live our best lives without <laughs> So, um, but it has been delightful. Like, it's a magical place. Good. Yeah. Well, welcome to Tomsville. Welcome to the bookshelf, and thank yes. you guys for coming. Uh, so our topic tonight is pretty wide, So, I, but I gave Jamie some, like, little questions to get us started. But books in pop culture is what we're talking about, because kind of combining the best aspects, I hope, of yeah. both of our podcasts. So my first kind of question is kind of controversial because on the podcast, I'm an avid podcast listener, uh, Jamie and Knox have talked multiple times uh-huh. about Belle and uh, <laughs> Belle and Rory and basically readers as they are portrayed in movies and TV shows. And I've got opinions about Belle. Yeah. i got opinions about Rory. And I thought we could talk about those. No, I would love to because I think for me, the problem is, as a bookworm, a proud bookworm, I feel like our kind, our people, are not represented well in pop culture because often bookworms are, like, they can be a negative portrayal. Yes. You may reflect some of these qualities. You, of course, are not negative. But <laughs> I find a lot of the things are not true for me or I don't want them to be true for me. And so I can struggle sometimes. I, I just don't want Rory to be my president. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't think anybody wants Rory to be that. Right. I don't want her to be the person that represents me. Because, like, to me, the quintessential bookworm, fictional bookworm, is Joe March. Like, mm. Joe March 
she is a treasure in the sense that she loves to write, she's a great writer, but she also loves to bring her works to life, like through theater with her family or going to the theater. And so I love that about her. She made me want to be a feminist at eight years old. And I didn't know what that was. My dad did not want me to know what that was. <laughs> I'm from Alabama. And so it was just that, like, I just love her. And so I, I've constantly been disappointed. Well, and if you contrast her with Rory, I mean, and look, avid uh, Gilmore Girls fan. Yes, me too. Uh, but Rory, especially now that I'm watching in adulthood, is just so passive. And I feel like readers on film and in television are sometimes portrayed as people who don't want to leave their homes. Like, they are equated with being shy. And I feel like being shy and quiet are two different things. Yes. And um, they're just passive, like, recipients of what comes to them in their life. They are not active characters. Whereas Joe took charge of her life. Mm -hmm. And Rory, it just feels like everything happens to her. Uh, and Belle is kind of the same way. And I say that as somebody who, of the Disney princesses, yeah. give me Belle. We don't have a lot of great right. choices. <laughs> there are a lot of options. Right. I mean, give me Mulan. Right. Really. Yes. If you really But they don't even include her. Like, in the canon, I feel like. I know. They're always like, oh, someone not white? Oh. <laughs> that's in a different part of right? the world. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but with Belle, she's great. because. But I like how even in the song, when she you knew she's going through the town, they're like, she's weird. She reads. <laughs> like, she's so odd. Yeah. It's like, no. Just because who doesn't uh, want that library? But people do treat readers as weird. I mean, just, they do. Yeah, they Which do. is strange too, if you think about the way that pop culture is so dependent on books. Like some of the best TV shows come from books, movies that are adapted, and then to then take the reader who's made that possible and go, oh no, you're gross. Like, <laughs> and we're gonna betray you poorly, and or they're never gonna be male. Like, I'm always frustrated that, of course, some of my favorite fictional bookworms are like. Lucas from One Tree Hill, Hill or uh, I, I would say like Boyd from Justified, but he's a racist murderer. Anyway, they're like Sawyer from Lost. Like I love but that he was like a reader. But they're always like these bad boys. Like don't you think that's interesting? Like that's Jess weird. from Gilmore Girls, and then I went and oh, saw yeah. Lady Bird this week, which by the way, my favorite movie of the year. You have to go see it. Oh, wow. um, it's really good. I'm excited. I beat you. I know. I'm so <laughs> that you think. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, but there's a character in that movie who's a guy, and he's a reader and a smoker, and like he's you know the broody <laughs> guy in the corner. And it's like are all like I don't understand. So the girl readers, female yeah. readers, are passive, stay in their homes, you know, t don't leave their rooms. And then the guy readers are broody. You're actually really know. right. The only like exception might be Donatello from the Teenage Mutant Ninja. Yes, yeah. I got you. Like, he might be the only one that's of the group, not the bad boy. Like, you're so glad he reads, because yeah. he's the only reason they get the out of that. smart one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but I think there are some things that are true okay. of the stereotype. Like, obviously, most readers are brunette, right? Um, or redheads, sorry. Ginger, sorry. Well, but listen, blondes don't have time to read. Like, you don't have time. You're too busy stealing my boyfriend, right? Like, blondes are, like, in the business. But like, but it is weird. Like when I was looking at a list, it was like, oh yeah, brunette, 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 yeah. brunette. And I don't know if it's that mousy, like we're like, oh, well, you're not gingers or blondes, so we have to stay home. Like I don't understand <laughs> why brunette, because Veronica is the sexy one, not yeah. Betty. Come on, yeah. Like what are we doing? Oh, that's true. Right. We need to turn. We need to work harder on that. But some things are like for me, the the is true is that. Like, that's not true is that reading is boring because I feel like people are like, oh, well, they can't interact, whereas I interact with humans all the time. Right. Look at all and, you humans. Well, <laughs> and you here. have great conversations. And I think in film and in TV, you get some really great conversations when they're inspired and prompted by books because yes. people who love books can, like, 
drop lines to one another and you understand yes. like you you understand the reference you understand the the pop culture reference coming from a piece of literature so i feel like you can have these really fantastic conversations yes but i don't know they just seem so passive the exception i think too is anne shirley so yeah. she reminds me of joe march right she's mm -hmm. extremely she's theatrical yeah she turns what she reads into into her everyday life she makes it play a role in her everyday and yeah. i love that about her thank you for anne thank yeah. you for joe yeah thank you for matilda oh matilda right i was rereading that um in story time a few weeks ago to some older kids and they the look on their faces as we're describing matilda and what she loves you could just see the kids in the crowd mm. who also were matilda's you know what i mean i love it because she's reading moby dick <laughs> she's freaking six years old yeah like she's a genius I, she's a genius yeah. i love her i love her yeah so i like my literary characters with a little bit of spunk and i feel like yeah. sometimes that's missing from their tv portrayals. we need to demand better yeah. as a public yeah, as readers. Yeah, I like think. in the same way we would demand of our politicians. Let's do that of our writers yeah. and our creators of content. Speaking of writers and creators of content, thanks. Well, that was really perfect. great. Uh, I have a married lady crush on Seth Meyers. Like, bad. I just love him so much. I love that your husband looks like Seth Meyers, too. <laughs> thanks. So, <laughs> so it's fine. So it's allowed. Um, so I love him, but one of the things I love about him is that he actually interviews a lot of writers on his show, and that never happens. I feel like uh, late night sh show hosts, you know, interview comedians or television actors and actresses, but they don't interview writers. Right. And he really does a great job of that. And I think he is an avid reader. Now, maybe he's lying to me. No, he is. Let me tell you a fun story that okay. I know about him. Because okay. I listen to his podcast. He has a podcast. Yes, it's great. Because I don't even watch the show. Not because I don't want to, but I. they do the best parts of the monologue in the podcast. Yes. And then one of the interviews, they'll leave in. And it's almost always with the author, yeah. if there happens. And he's had more than 50 authors on since he started. But one of my favorites is when he and his wife got married, when you know when you leave and you're supposed to throw things at the bride and groom i don't know if it's out of like frustration that you that they made you come to their wedding and you're so mad but they gave everyone cones of pages from their favorite two books filled with lavender that you i know right and it's from catch 22 and great expectations oh i love that. so they really do love oh, i picked a good one you did that was so good uh so i want to know why more people my, why are more writers not celebrities so in history right i feel like hemingway and fitzgerald those guys were celebrities they were of their time why are writers today not really recognized in that way i really did try to think about this because i thought just from a and this is not an expert stamp you know stance i think one of the reasons is we have so many celebrities right so now and you can be famous for really important things and you can be a kardashian yeah. Right, so you have this, this range, yes. And so what happens is there's just not room for, so like if you, and plus, not only are there more people, access to information about them, right? So now I can see a million people on Twitter who someone might be famous to you and they'd never be famous to me, but to you they're, like I feel that way about like the pioneer woman. Like I'm like, but my dad doesn't know who the pioneer woman is, right? And he would be like, what are you talking about? And so, someone like you. Um, but for me, I, I think it's just it's just volume. Like, yeah. it's just volume. And it's like writers, and I, maybe this is wrong. Like, I only know personally really like three writers, people who've written books. And all three of them are not, like, 
really like excited about meeting people. Yeah. Like doing like events. Or doing what's required now. So it's yes. not just going out and living your life and, you know, happening into someone. It's I like some author, I don't know if it's somebody who came to the store or what, but basically their publicist was making them join Instagram, join Twitter. <laughs> so you're having to do these things that they don't want to do. Right. And and so they I sometimes um in fact, there are a couple of writers on Twitter who I unfollowed because I was like, you don't know how to use this medium. Right, and so I want to keep you in, on my bookshelf where I love you, not in Twitter where I, where you are not, yeah. this is not your realm. Because there's some writers who, who have like transitioned, they've almost come before and like transitioned through, like yeah. J.K. Rowling has done yeah. great through, because when you think about when the first book came out, or even Stephen King has done yeah. this really great job of transitioning but I think it's so unique to their personalities I do too and Jordan when I asked Jordan this question about celebrities he immediately said well JK Rowling I would consider yeah. one but she's somebody who has made the transition and she's able to use new media <laughs> really well uh, how fancy that is I know. new media like Knox my podcast partner he is writing his first book and he's very excited but he's not as excited about like when I say to him things like launch team he's like because <laughs> <laughs> now that's what you need, right? Yeah. You're like, because I, I was looking at one of the shelves today in your store, and I was like, oh, I'm sick of that book, and that, just seeing it in my feed, like, I'm like, I don't even want that one, and I don't want that one, it's and I'm sick of that. I mean, uh, is this But like, I bought other books. Well, like, yeah, <laughs> but, but, I, but I know what you mean, because yeah. there are some where, uh, as somebody who now on Instagram, I have started to post book reviews, there's a little bit of pressure that comes with that, like, because some books I don't like. And it's kind of and tricky. And I want to know, don't you want to know the yeah. books she doesn't like? Right, and yeah. so it's kind of tricky on Instagram to navigate that. And then many books I will pick up after seeing it repeatedly in the blogosphere, and I do not like them. And it makes me feel like, oh, these influencers, they made me stock this book in the top. <laughs> I know, all you people with the likes and, and it's, the things. And it's those, it's those launch teams. It's those dang launch teams. It's those launch teams, which there's nothing wrong. I've been on launch teams. Sure. And I've had some shame after it, after the fact, going, <laughs> what did I sell to get, like, what part of my soul did I sell yeah. for an advanced reader copy? Yeah. This seems bad. Luckily, I feel like Knox is going to have some potentially good launch team members. Right. right. Like, he's going to write a good book. Yeah. We're determined. <laughs> like, we're focusing on it. So he writes a really good book. We need it. Yeah, yeah we, we need, need it. it. We need it. Yeah. But there are celebrities who, like, when you, I was thinking about celebrities, writers, I, I love the idea of celebrities who have written books. Okay, yeah, I wanted to talk about that too. Hey, because that's my favorite. Yeah, and some are terrible. Sarah Abraham. Oh, God, and I read, <laughs> From um, Teen Mom? She wrote a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> Who's buying that book? It's that's called The Celebrity t Sex Tape in the Making. <laughs> Guys, did you hear the America. <laughs> I know, it's yeah. so depressing. And every Kardashian, including Chris has had a New York Times bestseller book. And I was thinking of Andy from The Bachelor. I made myself read that book, guys. It's not so good. upsetting. It's not good. <laughs> Courtney from The Bachelor. Like, remember yeah. Courtney who didn't, or who ended up with Ben and then, this may not be a Bachelor problem. But, um, <laughs> I am. Okay, good. Yeah. You can read and love The Bachelor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's hard. Remember that part of your soul to yourself? That's what you do. Um, but she read a book and I was like, and it was called Here for the Right Reasons. <laughs> And I was like, yes, I loved it. But like some people have done it well. Tina Fey did it well. Tina Fey did Mindy it. Mindy Kaling yes. is a great. I think Tina Fey did it better than Amy Poehler. Oh, she uh, absolutely yeah. did it better than yeah. Amy Poehler. I'm yeah. with you on that. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of somebody that I. I um, I'll B.J. Novak. 
P.J. Novak. He legitimately wrote a fantastic short story collection, and I know you've got feelings about Tom Hanks, and I don't like them, so I don't want to get into it with you. <laughs> but Tom Hanks' short story collection is fine. Like, I, like, I liked it's it. Fine. It's fine. Did you hear that? <laughs> Not like, I love it. It's fine, but B.J. Novak's short story I almost collection, turned his book I over <laughs> when I heard it. <laughs> like, I saw it in the front. Like, That's what we used to do with Pokemon. Right, like, as how I feel about it. Um, but I think Tom Hanks wrote like Tom Hanks the actor would write, but B.J. Novak wrote like a writer. Oh, write. I love that. That's why I felt about Aziz Ansari. He wrote a book called Modern Romance, mm -hmm. which I loved, and I love that it wasn't like, it wasn't even a memoir. It wasn't, it was like a different, it's like when, like I, I did, I read Hilary Duff's uh, first <laughs> fiction because my niece wanted it, and so I was like, we'll read it together, and I was like, oh. <laughs> it was so painful, and I was like, oh, no, it wasn't great. But then I read Lauren Graham's oh, and fiction, and it was good. Her fiction was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so there are celebrities who can cross over. Yeah, there are celebrities who can cross over and who do it well. Yeah. And then there are some, not so much. And then there's Smokey. <laughs> a totally different category. Again, New York Times bestseller. You're welcome. Yeah, we're a New York Times bestselling like reporting store. Did you know? Like stores do that. Oh. So we report to the New York Times, telling them our sales. So it, it really makes me wonder where are the pockets buying these celebrity imports. It's called Amazon. <laughs> You're right. Utter so despair. It's our small Business Saturday. How dare they? Utter despair. Um, okay, so I want to talk, of course, about book to movie adaptations. Because in the bookstore, we hear all the time, and I used to agree with this statement, the book is always better. Right. And I have feelings about that that I used to not have. So I used yeah. to be very much in that camp, like the book is always better. But I no longer find that to be the case, and I have reasons for that. But I wanted to know your opinion. Is that statement true or false? And let's talk about favorites and least favorites. So I actually think it's mostly true. Like, I do really do think it's mostly true. And I think it's because of the reader slash viewer, right? You're the person who read and then you're watching it. And when we read, like I'm the kind of reader who, I now picture this person walking through my mind. And so when Josh Hutcherson is playing Pita, I'm upset. Because <laughs> that is not how Pita looked in my head, right? He, like, he wasn't even described that way in the book. Let's be I know, clear. Like, 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 I don't know what they did, like, they swapped they, them. They did, I was like, why is he so much better looking than him? Like, they shouldn't sort of equal. Anyway, yeah. it's fine. Um, but I think one of the things that makes it possible, why I do think it actually does happen, I think there are really great examples, is because I think it's if an adapter, so like a movie, like a director or a screenwriter, if they go in and going, I'm going to keep a lot of the source material, but I'm actually going to bring a little something new to the table in the, in the voice of the book, I think you can actually have a really amazing adaptation. But I, I still argue that probably 80% of them yeah. are not quite the experience. And when they're not, I mean, and then there are some that are just pain. Like, I have had in the last year, Dark Tower, some really painful, <laughs> like, hurt feelings from, like, what was done to a book I loved or a series yeah. I loved. And so my book club just went and saw Murder on the Orient Express. Right. Yeah. And I, okay, my book club loved that book. Um, I, it's a great book. I needed it to be more murdery. Oh, sorry. <laughs> because, because it's murder on the Orient Express. Well, it just wasn't dark enough for me. Like, well, there you go. It was just, there, there wasn't enough death. I don't know. Um, and so we went and saw the movie, and I thought the movie was actually a pretty legitimate 
adaptation until there's like this scene where the detective like becomes Superman. Like it was this weird. I was like, why did you guys do this? Like it doesn't because fit. comic book heroes are awful. But it's just this random <laughs> scene, and I, it, to me, it took completely away from the feel of the cozy mystery where it was like, what is happening on my screen right now? And so I think you're right when an, when a movie screenwriter doesn't take the source material into account. I, my least favorite movie adaptation, I think, is The Lovely Bones. Do you guys see yes, that? Yes! It's a horrible adaptation. terrible. And I love Stanley Tucci. But that movie was terrible. Are you suggesting that Mark Wahlberg mm-hmm. cannot Couldn't handle it? channel the grief of a father? He's shocking. His daughter? It's shocking. shocking. It's shocking. Uh, so that was, that was just one of those. And then My Sister's Keeper. Just this really great Jodie Picoult book. And then that movie, the ending is totally different. And I remember, I, often I will go with my book club to see things like this. And my book club just left completely. Why would you do that? If, if who your audience is are the book lovers. Right. Why would you transform a movie I that Jody. way? I blame Jodie for saying, first of all, Jodie with an ah. That's first problem. <laughs> I blame Jodie for saying, you know what? I need the cash. Do whatever you want they with my novel. Yeah, okay, so one of Thomasville's favorite authors, I don't know if you're familiar with him, is Charles Martin. Yes. Okay, Thomasville adores Charles Martin. Uh, he's, he's a lovely guy. His books are kind of Nicholas Sparks-esque, if that's your thing. And he wrote The Mountain Between Us, mm-hmm. which I think is one of his best books. I think if you're going to read Charles Martin, that's the one you read. And it re- recently was made into a movie. I think we all had fairly high hopes. Idris Elba, Kate Winslet. Winslet. Yeah. Yeah. I did not go see it. I did. Oh, gosh. Well, good, was, good for you. Like, <laughs> how, how is Kate Winslet, who can have chemistry with anybody, right. including Jim Carrey, <laughs> <laughs> and Idris Elba, who has sex, like has sexual tension with his shirt, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, has sexual tension with everybody, how are these two trapped in snow not sexy <laughs> when they should be sexy? Well, part of it is the book isn't that sexy, if well, you read the book. And se- but but he did Charles Martin completely sold the rights to that book. He had no oh. role to play in that movie. And I think you're right. I think when an author completely removes himself, they it, they're a little bit to blame because the to contrast that room by Emma Donoghue right. made a beautiful film. And I think yeah. didn't she write? The she did write the screenplay. Yeah. Um, and you can tell that movie is phenomenal and and equally as lovely as the book. Yeah. For me, like, mine probably went, I was going to say, I made, like, a list of 93 things that I hated. But <laughs> let me pick one that I, like, hated. Okay, so the worst is, um, of a book I really love. Now, I'm not saying this book is, like, classic literature. The Da Vinci Code. Mm-hmm. I remember reading it and having a, a reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow. Like, maybe I don't, maybe I don't love Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I really got into it. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> really great read and then I went to see the movie and I was assaulted yeah. by Tom Hanks hair <laughs> which may be my origin story of my disdain for me but I was like what and why is this so slow this book this book was so much faster and than huge this movie. and massive like that book was massive but you had yeah. no problem re- I no. mean I really did enjoy that book I thought it was yeah well done. and I just thought the movie was a disappointment uh the circle was a fantastic book if you haven't read it it's yes. so good 
And the movie, Jordan and I, I wanted to see it in the theater, and then I always trust the podcast, and they told me not to. Yeah. So then I yeah, rented I it and wished I had never, like, it was one of those movies I no, shouldn't have ever watched. I was doing it, too, because Rotten Tomatoes had given it, a, like, a 16%, and I was like, but maybe they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because I really love the book so much, yeah. I really, and I remember, like, sitting there going, I hate Hermione. Yeah, she's the worst. Everybody in it was just so bad, and they were all people who could be good. Yeah, and the source material was so great. That's where I really struggle, is when the source material is great. Yeah, so some of my favorites, though. Some I would say some movies that have, and this is going to be controversial, so don't come at me later. (laughs) You can come at me on the internet. But I, I thought Lord of the Rings was a movie that superseded the book, and I loved the books. I read them as a child, and then... Because um, my parents were like, we hope she comes to faith, even if it takes this total fictional world, um, which is why they made me read Narnia too, right? But like I thought when I watched the movie, it was even better than I had ima- I could have imagined those worlds. To who knew New Zealand was so magical? And uh, but I I wrote down uh, Stand by Me. If you've ever read the short story, you're like, how did I become a whole movie? Like, <laughs> that movie was so good. And it stands up. I've, I've watched it a couple of times as an adult. And I'm like, it really does stand by me. Like, <laughs> And then the other one I wrote down was, um, now this is controversial, <laughs> as someone from Alabama. But I feel like, and I love To Kill a Mockingbird. Like, and I go to see the play in Monroeville every year. Like, I love it. But the movie is, like, there's something about Gregory Peck as Atticus Finch. That he just, is Atticus Finch. He is Atticus Finch. Yeah. And so I think there is something magical about the movie being, because it, it, it again, owns the material, but brings it to life in a way that those characters can have movement and tension in just the way that they stand and the way they look at each other that you don't get from the book. And they really did consult the source material quite a bit. I think they had Harper Lee on set for part of the time. There's this really great documentary. Have you seen it called Hey Boo? No. Oh, it's so good. I think it's on Netflix. Not Honey Boo Boo. Uh, no. <laughs> no, different. Okay. Hey, hey Boo. Okay. Uh, and it is this phenomenal documentary that takes people like Tom Brokaw, who I also adore, <sighs> and it gets their opinions on the book and the movie and the roles they played in these people's oh. lives. It's fantastic. Um, James McBride is in it. Uh, it's wonderful. Wow. And so they really did take Harper Lee, she was on set, and at, um, I almost call him Atticus Finch. Gregory Peck would talk to her to kind of get a, an idea of who she wanted Atticus Finch to be. That's so good. So, yeah. yeah, the Oscars are always a good sign. If you see a book adaptation, yeah. like it won three Oscars. So yeah. it's always a good sign of like, oh, this is probably not awful. I also love speaking, going back to like writers and celebrities, I really do love in the Oscars where like they actually thank the source material. That rarely happens. Um, but when um, Elizabeth Moss won for The Handmaid's Tale, which I think is a wonderful television adaptation. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Moss and I think everybody else who kind of won when that was the, what was it, the drama, Outstanding Drama sh- yeah. miniseries or something, they all really made a point to thank Margaret Atwood and I think they brought her on stage at one point. Yeah. So you can tell the books that have been really treated with love and tender loving care, I guess, yeah. when they were being and created. And not s- sold their soul. Yeah. We're not saying you did that, Jody. <laughs> but it sounds like you did. Sounds like you did. Yeah. Um, okay, so you are enmeshed, I feel like, in pop culture all the time. It's your it's your it's day like, job. It's what I write off my taxes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so I wanna know your favorite books about pop culture. So this is tricky, but yeah. here's what I mean. So a couple years ago, um, this is a very hectic time at the bookshelf and I don't read as much during November and December as I normally do. 
But one day on a whim, I took home Live from New York, which is like the oral history of Saturday Night Live. And I devoured. A, it's a it's pretty massive, massive yeah. oral history. I'm not even a huge Saturday Night Live fan. But I was just like, oh, I'll take this home. And I adored it. I found it so fascinating. Good. And maybe it's because there was a lot of weird stuff going on. Yeah, a, lot of, yeah, a lot of drug secrets that got out. <laughs> Lots of things. Yeah. Uh, but I felt like that was a book that really was true to Saturday Night Live and the spirit of that show. And people actually, like, people who mattered gave interviews instead mm -hmm. of, like, the second cameraman. Like, you know, you actually got to He hear. mattered, Annie. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. He mattered. Um, so it was really great to get their perspective. So I'm curious if there's a book like that for you, a book about pop culture. So I tried to look. We recommend books. Um, like, the most magical thing that happened to me coming to this bookstore was the shelf that I walked in and I went, I love all those books. And they're like... That's your shelf. Like, it says James Bond. <laughs> 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 oh my god! It's such a special time for y'all. I mean, for me. For us too. For you too. But um, I went back to our green lights. Like when we green light a book, we have it in a section on our website. So I went to answer this. I was like, let me make sure if I and I had there was one, and I was like, oh, that is so good. So it's a book called Tinseltown, which is by William J. Mann, and it's a book about it's a true crime, and it's. Uh, about the 1920s, there was an actor-director that was murdered, and it went unsolved for 100 years. Um, almost 100 years. We're not quite then. It's fine. Half is hard. Um, but uh, it's like, it's written like a, a, it's a fiction thriller, and so as I was reading it, I was like, maybe it was the ingenue. Maybe it was the ballet. Maybe it was the drug gang, because there were drug gangs in the 1920s. You knew. Yeah, they were. And so uh, it was so well done, and it was it, and what I love is like these two primary characters are like who's gonna rule Hollywood, and one of them is Arthur Lowe's. Who, if you've ever been to a Lowe's theater, that's Lowe's. That's Arthur Lowe's, and so he won. Um, spoiler. Uh, but it's so well done, and it's something different rather than like a just a. Not that you, I was gonna say behind the scenes of a show. <laughs> no, that's great because I really love that one. I love. I'm an oral history junkie, and yeah. they've become almost. Like you can just find, I was about to say, you can find them online all the time. Another really fascinating one was the oral history of Cheers. I thought that was really interesting because they interviewed people like BJ Novak and how Cheers influenced The Office ah, and things like that. that. So it was really great. Another one I mentioned to you today, it's not coming out until January, and again, this might not be the problem. Is that my favorite thing about Amy, too, by the way? <laughs> when she's like, guys, that's like I got a me. It comes out in nine months. <laughs> super overwhelming if that makes you feel better does it, it does make okay. yeah because she sent me a box we talked about this on the podcast yeah about like oh we wish we somebody would send us art and so she did so i was like here you go you and asked for it listen they weren't great <laughs> <laughs> like one of them we both said we're like i think like one of these yeah yeah her job is awful so yeah. welcome to it's, our world yes, nice. there's literally a stack i mean you can see them of free books right oh now my God. uh and we've already gone through them for the ones we wanted so like that's a massive stack of books to work our way through but there is a book coming out in January if you are into The Bachelor and you don't want to read the terrible books written by bachelors and bachelorettes, because you shouldn't, they're terrible. Um, Bachelor Nation. And it's what's so fascinating about it is it's written by a woman who, I guess, writes for them for, Van or writes about them for the Los Angeles Times. I think mm -hmm. she's like one of their reviewers. Um, and she has since been removed from reviewing them because she would sometimes be negative about how, how dear she uh, right, about how The Bachelor runs their, uh, <laughs> their sets. 
Um, there's no problems on the back. They are perfectly fine. Um, they never have issues. But what I love about this is it really gives you a behind-the-scenes look at reality TV. Mm. And I, ref I will not get political here this evening, but... Because of who our president is, you kind of get a sense of who's our oh, president. Uh, yeah, because of the president. I'm trying to get her. <laughs> uh, because of him, um, you do get a sense of why maybe he gives sound bites the way that he does. Because it gives you this history of reality TV and what they ask of people. That's so good. And so I found that to be really interesting. And she really did a great job of um, writing it too. The writing is actually really great. So Bachelor Nation, I okay. got you a copy. Oh yay! Uh, okay. We need to talk about that in front of y'all. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, before we go into some Q&A with our audience, I've got questions that we always ask our podcast guests. Okay, okay so we're kind of going to do this lightning round style, but you can go give me some detail if you need to. Okay. Uh, so I want to know, what is a classic you've never read, but you wish you had? You know, my mother was watching Gone with the Wind mm -hmm. on Thursday, because it, it's on a loop. And I was like, you know, it's on a loop on Thanksgiving? I don't know. It's weird. It's not, I don't know. It seems odd. But like, All right. It's a very odd movie. Like, I only watched like, and I've never seen the whole movie, and I've never read the book. And so that was, but what I really, this, the book I really need to read is uh, Ralph Ellison's The Invisible Man. Y'all read that? Okay. So it was assigned to me my senior year of college for my AP English class term paper. Um, but because it was in the spring, I'd already been accepted to college and had a full scholarship. <laughs> So I told Miss Vest to stick it. <laughs> and I literally didn't turn, I didn't turn in my note cards. I didn't turn in my outline. And I left I left high school where I'd had all A's all of high school. I left with a C in AP English because I failed my senior project. So I'm like, I'm not reading no books. Oh my God. Okay, I'm going I think I'm gonna I throw up. I know how horrible that's, that's terrible. But since then when I told people that story, they're like, it's such an amazing book. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so I really want to read it because it won the National Book Award in like yeah. 1952 or 53, and it's, I, so I really want to read it now. Mine is Jane Eyre, but the oh. longer I you Melissa took that personally. She did. Like you need to, which you're about to take this super personally because uh -oh. like the longer I work here, the more I'm like, man, I don't need to read that. <laughs> because so many of my staffers, it's their favorite book, or I think one of my staffers here tonight was like. You do not need to read that. So maybe Melissa, you and I need to talk. <laughs> you need to read Jane Eyre, and then you need to watch all Michael Rosmander. I saw the play, so I feel like, nah, I'm, I'm fine. Okay, let's talk about what is the worst adaptation? Play. <laughs> so, the Crucible. Well, that was written as a play, I guess. So that doesn't count, huh? All right, I've got another question. Okay. Okay, I want to know, you're from Alabama. Uh, I want to know what is the least southern thing about you. <laughs> so I was thinking about this because when I <laughs> was coming here, everybody was like, "Go to Charlotte and get free pay for you." <laughs> and I wanted to reply to every person, "I don't like free pay." <laughs> but the thing about it is, I actually like shrimp and I love grits. Oh. <laughs> the least southern thing about me is that I don't like my food to touch. Oh, that is because so I feel like Southerners like it all mix it all together. I don't like I like a segmented plate <laughs> is a dream come true. Like I love my food not to touch. And I even like it will go deep. We'll cut this from the podcast. I will eat my food one item at a time. No, Ashley does that too. Ashley, how cool are we? Don't let them tell us we're not. <laughs> I I don't eat grits. I don't eat grits or drink sweet tea. I don't do any of that. Oh my god, there were gas. How legitimate that. You're missing out on such 
locally famous. Um, so tea particularly. No, I, th- ah. So there are lots of least southern things about me, despite okay. being from this. But tell me the most southern thing about you. Well, so many things. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm very, like, I like my name on stuff. You know, like, I like to have monograms. And I like cornbread. But I was thinking, and I wrote it, let's see. What did I, like, there were so many things. Um, oh, I do believe, like, with my whole heart and soul, that you can deep fry anything. <laughs> like, and I will eat it. Like, I go into it, like, a state fair. Where, like, there's a state in Alabama, the state fair, the best parts are all the deep fried regular, like, cookies and Reese's Cups, like the deep fried Reese's Cups, which didn't need to be deep fried until you ate it. And you're like, oh my God, so much better than they deep fried. <laughs> and then also the Alabama state fair, they always have monkeys riding dogs. <laughs> all right. Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> so great for us to be in the news right now. We're so proud. <laughs> uh, the other question we ask, and I always love the answers that we get on this one, is um, what's your favorite part about life in the South? Because honestly, there aren't always lots of things to yeah. name, but what's your favorite part about life in the South? You know, I was listening to a podcast on the drive down from Birmingham uh, called uh, Someone Knows Something, season three. And it was about a murder in the civil war, civil rights uh, era, 1964, and it was so super downer, and it is like a crime. But in it, the reporter is from Toronto, and he is spending a lot of time in Mississippi. Mm. <laughs> and <laughs> my cousin Benny, you're like, oh, uh, good luck. And um, but one of the things he says is that he says it's funny, like people are so polite, strangers are so kind, but they also look at you with suspicion. And I kind of love that about the South, of like, we will welcome you in, <laughs> we are gonna question you, like if you're from not the South, but if, particularly if you're from the South, like I was in LA recently and someone at a, I was at a bakery, and I ordered like a, like a, a piece of cake, like, and just said, I want a piece of cake. And this woman comes up and she goes, where are you from? <laughs> and I literally just said, piece of cake. <laughs> she was like, we're around on like Alabama, she goes, oh, I'm from Atlanta, and I've lived here for 20 years, and I missed that sound <laughs> so much. I was like, oh, I thought you were going to insult me. <laughs> it's fine, too. We're used to that. But I do think there's a fascination with the accents, though, and uh, because yeah. when we travel, so I don't really have much of a southern accent. No, I could be wrong not. about that, but I don't have something like that. Everybody's like, you know. That. Uh, That's why we don't trust. <laughs> Look, Jordan's parents do not trust me. <laughs> they are from They're Alabama. They're from Alabama? They're from Alabama, and I was from Florida, and I really think they were like, wow. who is he bringing home? What can you home? do about that? <laughs> nothing. I can you do nothing, nothing about that. And it's the South. Ish. Ish. It was until I went to Montgomery, Alabama for college. And then I was like, oh, different Southern. <laughs> Tallahassee is a different type of town. Yeah. Um, but I think when we travel, people are always kinder to Jordan because they hear his voice. I mean, maybe it's a man thing too, but like people listen to him and I think they're immediately like, oh, how can he help you? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm worried that people hear it and they get, because when we started the podcast, I thought I'm really going to have to get rid of this. Like, I'm going to have to, and if you listen to the early episodes, which you should never do that, but I sound so like, what are you talking about? The only benefit is, like, I talk fast, and so sometimes it can get lost. Because when I went to college, I went to college in Atlanta, and I was with a lot of people from the tri-state area, Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York. And they would always be like, are you inbred? Like, a girl asked me that. Because she was studying in, inbreeding in her biology class, and she's like, you're from Alabama. 
Are you in my life? And I'm like, no. We had to think about it. in the swamp. And she just came out and they would be like, they just want to sit around and they're like, tell us what you think of ER. Because <laughs> she just is so sick and thick yeah. and southern. And so like my friend, my people at home are like, yeah, she's not really that southern. And then I'm on a podcast and people are like. That's what's so funny is that, and so Jordan is from Alabama and his parents are from Alabama. His mom, his mom's name is Twyla. So like, so right, like it's very southern. And But one time she asked me, we were talking about accents at the dinner table, and she was like, I don't have one, do I? I was like, Yes, <laughs> she doesn't pronounce her H in humble. Humble. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's humble. a very, yeah. yeah. Um, very I didn't southern. know that. Yeah, that, that's southern. a new one. Yeah, very southern. And so, uh, see, I've got backup. Okay. Um, so, so yeah. So I had to explain to her, no, like maybe should I call you a voicemail? You left me. Like you, you just <laughs> she would never hear it. No, right? you can't. Like, yeah. Right, because it's just your normal. I think. Um, okay, so you've mentioned a podcast already, but tell me, I know you don't love to just name podcasts in general. You like to name episodes. I'm, and so, I'm so vicious when I ask people for recommendations, because I was going on this trip and I was like, hey, recommend to me a binge 10 episodes or less, or one episode of your favorite podcast. And immediately somebody like, I love this American Life. So I'll just be like, no, no, no. But for me, my general, my This American Life is always Death, Sex, and Money with um, Anna Sale because she does interviews and they're always very thoughtful. She's the Barbara Walters of our time oh. and she gets people to say things that they would not normally. Alec Baldwin is a great episode he's a good, of that. Yeah. He, he's so. He's an interesting interviewer too. His podcast. Yes, I don't his listen podcast. to his all the time, but he's an interesting interviewer. He is. Um, but my favorite binge uh, in terms of like what is what's the topic and what are they talking about is More Perfect, which is a podcast about the Supreme Court, which on paper sounds dumb. Like why would I be like, oh my god, I'm so riveted by it. Um, but I'm so riveted by it because it's done by Radio Lab, which I love. But they really do kind of bring you into these because the Supreme Court on the surface seems like ooh, it's so magical, but they have been crazy in their day and time and so it's great to revisit those key decisions and kind of what brought that and the people involved like who argued before the Supreme Court some of the, you know those people are still around and you can interview them and so it's so good and then one that I love sword and scale is the darkest true crime you can ever listen to like it's so creepy and scary and I cannot listen to every like sometimes I stop halfway through I'm like nope nope I'm out Someone got raped at their house in love. I'm a homeless. <laughs> I'm getting. I can't. But there's episodes 88 and 99 are a two-parter that are perfection in terms of storytelling. And like, I sat in the parking lot at church and missed the service. <laughs> so that so I can continue to find out who murdered these girls, <laughs> which says so much about the good storytelling that they did. Um, okay, now the tricky question, at least if you work here, what are you reading right now? I'm literally reading a book that I bought today oh, from nice. your bookstore. So I bought a bunch of books today uh, from the shelves where you recommend books okay. because uh, Annie is my spirit animal when it comes to books. Yes. Um, but I picked a book off of Ashley Shaw too. Um, but I'm reading uh, Tools Tools for Titans okay. by Tim Ferriss. Not, green not greenlit it. And then several people mentioned it. And it's this thick mofo of a book. Like it's <laughs> massive. So 
it might be better on Kindle. Don't say that. That's wrong. Let's edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen to her. It's <laughs> better on Kindle. Don't do that. It's really heavy, but it's so good. But it's um, Tim Ferriss interviews a lot of famous entrepreneurs and like people who are at the top of their game. Right? And so it's dividing into chapters, healthy, wealthy, and wise, and they're each little baby chapter, small, is just kind of inspiration in a certain area. I skipped healthy because I'm not interested in that, but I went straight to wealthy. And so like Chris Saka is the first interview, and it was, it's really good. Like as, I, as you continue to sell books, and I sat in my pajamas at the beautiful parks in all right, thank you so much. Uh, let's open up if anybody has any questions for Jamie or for me or about books or pop culture. What you got? Anybody? I want to know why you don't say no when you say you guys. I don't know why that is because I don't even love that. Like, there was recently an episode of Last Man on Earth where they were like, stop calling us guys, we're all women. Who was like so disturbed by it that he started changing every word that had man in it to women, like, even if it was just like, she was manhandled, she was woman handled. You know? So I don't know why I say you, I say y'all, like today when I was, well, I was book selling today, and I killed. You did. I sold a painting. I'm super, like, I'm super grateful. And I don't know it was for sale, but I sold it. It was for sale. Okay, good. Uh, it was my aunt's, thanks. She's, oh, yeah, she's such a Yeah, it's pretty cute. Okay, good. Uh, but what I loved today was, I looked at the other staffers who were working, I was like, this is what it's like to have an extrovert in the school. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I, know, I think the regular customers are like, who are you? <laughs> what are you doing here? Why are you following me? I'm like, can you, do you like this? Because one girl I really did, I was like, she was holding two bits, and I was like, are you going to get both? Are you trying to choose? And she was like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a little scared yeah, some, of me. I was about to say, some customers, some readers, they like, they just want to be left alone. Right. But I, I tried do, not to be too I was about aggressive. to say, but I really appreciated having somebody I could hear. Like, I was like, oh, I hear her. It's only books. That's yeah, right. she's out there. Yeah. Uh, what else, anybody? Oh, crickets. I would say, are you uh, are you pro or anti book clubs? Like getting together to talk about books, even I'm, though people have different opinions. No, that's a good question. I'm actually probably pro book club. I've never been invited to become to a book club. <laughs> that's so maybe so that's why I'm anti book club. That's so weird to me because I'm just not being invited. It's like when you're like, I'm anti prom. No one asked. <laughs> <laughs> We all went to see it in the middle of a club, and I was like, I was a little sad. Why do you think that is? I, because I every, like, know. when I, that's how I've made grown up friends. Is yeah, because I do a book, I always do a book for my small group at, through church. We always do a book. So well, I, guess that's my, I guess that's my, like, version of a book club, and you, like, have to get saved. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's not like that. But that's the only thing I can say. And, but it's a book I've read, like, over and over and over. It's not like the first time we're all reading a book together. Yeah. Which I would really love that experience to be able to, because I do feel that way about TV shows. Like, someone called me today, and my friend Joseph, my best friend's husband, called me today, and he's like, are you at that bookstore? I was like, no, I'm in the pajamas. And he's like, let's talk about Stranger Things too. I just met you. <laughs> and so we had this lovely conversation about Stranger Things too, and I just, like, at the end I was like, it was a good show, wasn't it? He's like, yeah, watch Punisher. And I was like, okay. Uh, that's the equivalent of a book club. Okay. That's what we do in our book club conversations. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, so you're, have you're TV. Fine. I'm in a TV club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Anybody? Yeah. If you could change the ending of any book, what would it be? Well, I, I love, you probably have a better answer to this. I love sad endings. 
to both. Like, I love when somebody dies. Like, I love the cathartic nature of being so devastated by a book disappointing me. Not in the way it ended, but that it's like, it's like me, me after you, me before you. Me before you. That was one of the ugliest cries I've ever had. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad that ended that way. It was so good. And I recommend, because it was such a good experience reading that book, not watching the movie. It was not the same, but reading the book. And I remember giving it to a friend, and they were angry. They're like, why would you make me read that? I'm like, what? What was wrong with it? Like, I love it. That happens in here all the time. Because I think there are some readers who really want um, books to end, if not happily, at least tied up in a boat. Like, they want it a finish. Yeah. They want an ending. And I am a reader who really doesn't mind things being open-ended. And so I will sometimes recommend a book, and a customer will come back. Not necessarily angry, but kind of like, what were you thinking? Like, this like is, why was this so dark? Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, why yeah. was this so dark? I think that, to them, is the equivalent of not having it end, yeah. end like, well. Gone Girl... I wish, I just wish it had, like, I like justice in my book. Mm -hmm. So, like, if a death. Yeah, there was justice in that book. There was justice, but, like, I really wanted somebody to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter to me who, which of them, because they both had reasons to die, you know? Yes. But, like, I wanted somebody to be dead at the end of it. I liked that they were just stuck <laughs> with each other. I know. It's probably, that is the justice. Maybe if yeah. they both had died. At the hand of like the neighbor, like <laughs> I don't know, like I just that was the only one where I was like, oh, okay, no. all right. I, I like that ending. I one that I did not like as a kid, but that I really like now is Little Women. So I read Little Women yes. when I was eight, and my mom found me. In, I was not a crier as a kid. I'm still not too much of a crier until today when there was an 11 year old author in the store and I was so impressed by her I just started crying in front of her. Um, it was slightly mortifying um, but my mom found me hiding in my bedroom closet because I didn't like to cry in front of people and she was like what is the matter with you and I was like Amy, Mary, Lori, like Amy to the beat. You are like Amy to the beat. And if your name is Amy to this day, I struggle with you as a person. That's true. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but it's true because as an adult, I am okay with that ending now. But Amy is still. I don't know that I am. That's my answer. I'm not okay now that we're like digging it out of me. Like I, and even when I watched, I really loved the movie adaptation. Yeah. I thought it was lovely. Which one? Oh well, I like. Calm down. I'm not going to the 40s. <laughs> I like um, I liked the one with the Winona Ryder. Yes. Because um, Susan Sarandon as Marnie. Oh my God, I'm so good. Um, but I remember thinking she would never choose the gross guy over Christian Bale. They didn't pick a good actor to play the it professor. The professor needed to be like a Sean Connery. Man. Yeah, a handsome old man. You know, like he should have been like hotter. Yeah, Tom Brokaw. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're Seth Meyers and you're Tom Brokaw. You're gonna have the you're gonna have the weird erotic fanfic. Like, that's a special group. You're probably gonna have to write it. I'll okay. Okay. I can do that. Uh, anybody else before? Yes. That is hard. Because don't you like this really have a reaction to those people? Oh, you don't read. <laughs> what do you do? Because um, usually people who are not readers often don't own a TV. 
<laughs> like, because they're that bad. That's yeah. they're that horrible. They're like, oh, I don't have any or I don't live my life all crazy. <laughs> I just have a very hard time with that because I'm all because I don't know what you, I read so much and I'm like, wait, what do you do? Like, I, well, and I, I I think it would be so hard because you know when you I'm sure with you like because like today I went which of these should I read off your shelf and it was like mm, that yeah. you know I, like when someone said I don't know that there's do y'all feel like there's a perfect book? Like, for not, I don't know. Because here's the thing. The books that I would consider perfect are books that you might have read in school, and that's going to turn any non-reader or reluctant reader off. So no reluctant reader wants you to tell them, read To Kill a Mockingbird, right. um, because they don't want to. Yeah, because I would be like, read Persuasion by Jane Austen, you will love it. Right. And they will not. They don't want to, they don't want to hear that. Um, but I wonder if you should start them with something funny. We mentioned Tina Fey bossy pants or something oh, like that. Like, and of course it depends on how maybe into TV and pop culture they are. Um, but a book that maybe could tie into something like that. I mean, I could name all kinds of really great books for reluctant readers, but it's hard because I also find it, reading is very specific, right? So I would have to know, what do they like? Like, do they like a certain type of music? Do they like a certain TV show? Because then I could find one. Um, Before the Fall is one that I feel like my book club universally either loved or at least was glad they read so that we could talk about it. Um, so, and that was written by um, Noah, Noah Holly, who did, oh, who did Fargo, which Fargo. is so good. Um, so anyway, I, I think that's a hard question until I know them as a person, but I do know people like that, and I'm always a little bit like, oh. Yeah, because I read, like, Dark Matter. It's one of my oh, favorite books so of the last five years that I've read, and I just think, no one can read this and not love it. Like, it's so much. It's like a Harrison Ford movie from, like, the 80s, 90s. Yes, it's so, it's so good. good. But, like, The Martian, I loved, but I feel like a lot of people read and go, ew, sound like my Oh, and Mars is hard, okay? Like, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and see, Station Eleven, to me, is one of the best books over uh, the past five yes. years. Um, that and Gilead. But I don't know if a non-reader is going to dive into those um, like I did. We can't help that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have to do, Lauren. We just can't help that. Don't be friends with that. <laughs> They're not our people. <laughs> All right, anybody else before? We are going to move into the trivia portion of this evening, unless you've got questions. How did you scared? I'm just curious. How did you come to be the owner of the bookshelf? Oh, well, I love that story. I'll give it super briefly. Um, I had never worked retail in my life. Like, even as a teenager, I grew up in Tallahassee, so I always worked, like, for state government entities. Uh, and when I graduated from college, my degree was in journalism, so I worked for the Florida Bar, like, news and editing. Um, and so I was working there, and the bookshelf had a little outpost, like a few blocks from my house. And my husband and I were talking one evening and I said, gosh, I just, I have wanted to be like the story lady from uh, You've Got Mail, Kathleen Kelly. I've wanted to be her since I saw that movie when I was 13. And all Tom Hanks' feelings aside, uh, that movie still holds up for me. Meg Ryan is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not anymore, sadly. Okay. Yeah, she did too. Much. <laughs> um, but I still rewatch that movie and just feel all the things. So my husband and I were talking, and I said, I love my current job, but I just wish there was a way to do something that I truly loved. And I don't know if that's the millennial in me or what. That was like, I need something with meaning. Uh, but when, but when the bookshelf opened in Midtown Tallahassee, I decided to just see if they needed a volunteer. I was willing to do like whatever it took to get in to get in the door. And next thing you know, they were interviewing me to be their manager. 
uh, which required me to quit my normal job and then go to work full-time at the bookstore, which I did, uh, never having managed anything besides a school newspaper, very different. Uh, so I ran the bookshelf in Tallahassee for about a year. The woman who owned both uh, decided she wanted to spend more time with her family and kind of focus on other dreams she had. Um, I think she was a little bit burnt out. And so she was closing the Tallahassee store and offered me the chance to buy into this one. So about four and a half years ago, my husband and I took over the bookshelf. Uh, and it has been super hard, uh, but quite literally my dream come true. So yeah. Somebody came in today that I was stalking, that I was stalking. <laughs> and uh, he said that they used to live here, but now they've moved away, but they come home for holidays to see their family. And he said, and the one thing we do when we come to Connorsville is we come to the bookshelf because we love coming in here. We always feel special when we come in here. And that's how I felt. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, she is Kathleen Kelly. Like, I know she's channeling her, but she really is her. Like, it's so perfect. I love it. Uh, thank you guys so yeah, much. Thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.